Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. According to the Bible, the good news of the gospel involves four very basic truths, and what wonderful truths they are. First, we have an interest expressed in the part of God himself. Yes, that's right, my friend. It all starts with God. And this is what the Bible says, For God so loved the world. And secondly, there was the will of God put into action. That is, a plan was made from all of eternity past, to deliver men and women from the bondage of their sin. And remember, it was God who took the initiative to bring man back to himself. And then, of course, there was the price that was paid. The Savior was sent to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And then lastly, the gospel involves the invitation going worldwide for all men to repent and believe what God himself has done. There is nothing for you, absolutely nothing for you to do but to come to Christ and to trust in His already accomplished work. It is finished. On today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen explains these four important aspects of the gospel message. Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4. Paul is the writer, and he said, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, that would be Mary, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, or that we might be brought into the family of God as sons. And I want you to notice what we have read in verse number four, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. Now, further on in our Bible is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, or he is patient to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I want you to notice what we have read. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. First Peter chapter 1 and verse number 18. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And I want you to notice what we've read, redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Now one last verse and it's the last chapter of the Bible, and not quite the last verse. Revelation chapter 22, and we'll read it verse number 17. In the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. We're living in a, in a very, very strange world, a strange age in one sense, 
We have the ability, we've proven it many times, that we can actually control space shuttles back and forth to the space station. But you know, we do have a, a very difficult time controlling our own spirits. Scientists have been able to split the atom many years ago already. But it's interesting that we have a difficult time keeping the family together. We've surrounded ourselves with all kinds of material things, nice homes, nice cars, nice clothing, all the perks of our world. And despite all that we have, this world, this age has never been so empty, still looking for something. We have stealth bombers. We have heat-seeking missiles. We have all kinds of armaments. But we have never felt so insecure, have we? And interestingly, we have GPS now. You can even get the little locator system on your iPhone. But despite all of these amazing gadgets, we find that a lot of people have lost their way. In fact, that's exactly what God says about mankind, about our world, about individuals. God says that we are lost, lost. And so tonight, we have a tremendous need. We have a need to be found. We have a need to be rescued. We have a need to be saved. And that's exactly what the gospel is all about. This is a good news message. This is the greatest message that has ever been given to this world. In fact, if I could put it into very simple language, I, I would take the verse of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And perhaps you have come tonight and what we're speaking about is very unknown to you. Perhaps this is a very novel or a new message. Well, tonight we're glad that you have come because the message of salvation involves what God has done for us. Salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, receiving a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus is never the result of what we do. Salvation is a work that God has done for people. And tonight we would like to tell you about the greatness of this work and the magnitude of God's interest and the wonderful offer of salvation that God is directing toward you personally tonight. But I've read these scriptures because I'm aware that there's individuals and the gospel is unknown to you. Tonight, I would like to focus for you four vital truths that involve the gospel, four tremendous issues that God has made very clear with regard to what he has done for our salvation. We have read tonight about this wonderful plan that has been made that reveals God's interest. We have read in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, that when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son. And that makes me aware that God had a plan, that God's interest was focused in this world. And when the right moment came, God moved toward this world of individuals in view of this amazing plan. But there's something else I want to notice tonight. Not only a plan made that reveals God's interest, but we have understood tonight that God has expressed his will. I'm afraid a lot of people have hard thoughts about God. They think that he's really some kind of a being that I don't want to get too close to. But the very God of salvation, the God of the Bible, is a God whose heart longs for your eternal blessing. In fact, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. And so God has taken the initiative 
God has made the first move, and God has expressed his will for you tonight personally. Is there anything else? Yes, there is. We have read in 1 Peter chapter 1 that there was a price to be paid. And 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 tells us that when that price was paid, it involved the precious blood of Christ. There was a man who came from heaven, the very Son of God, the mighty Creator, and he came to actually pay a debt he did not owe. He came to go to a cross and suffer in our place. He came to pay the ultimate price, the price of his own precious blood. He came to die for sinners. This wonderful Savior who died upon a cross is alive tonight. Easter Sunday morning, up from the grave he arose. The price was paid. The payment was accepted. And tonight, the investment of heaven involves the cross of Calvary. There's one more thing I have to tell you, because God has not left us just kind of wondering who's included. In fact, God has not been willing to finish this book, to write the last chapter, until he tells us that there is an invitation given. He puts it in wonderful terms. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. And tonight, salvation is offered without a price tag, without requirements, apart from the fact that you need to acknowledge your need of salvation. You need to face your sin and realize, I am helpless and hopeless to get right with God. You need to just simply acknowledge, I am lost in my sins and I'm going to hell. And for a person who will come on those terms, they will find that there is a wonderful offer, a gift without a price tag. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I might as well tell you right now that this is not theory with me, because March the 6th, 1971, as a university student going to hell, I received the gift. I received Christ, and he saved me. I have enjoyed the blessedness of knowing him as my Savior and the blessedness of having my sins forgiven and the blessedness, I'll use it again, the blessedness of understanding and appreciating I am going to be in heaven. I don't deserve that, but that is the magnitude of God's gift. Can I tell you tonight, you're included. You're in God's scope. God says, whosoever will, whoever wants it, whoever will come in all their need, whosoever will, let him come and take the water of life freely. You could receive Christ tonight. But you know, I'm amazed when I think of Galatians chapter 4. We have read these amazing words, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. I've suggested that God had a plan. But let me just say, I, I almost hesitate to call it a plan because this was not some kind of an emergency situation with God. God made us for himself. God made us in, in harmony and in unity with him. And yet there was a moment when our first parents turned away from God, when they made a choice to sin against their creator, against their friend, against the very God who had made them and had surrounded them with blessing. And they turned their back on God and sin came in. But could I tell you tonight that sin did not catch God by surprise? This was not an emergency situation because from an eternity past, and I can't begin to fathom what that means, but from an eternity past, this wondrous moment was in view. In fact, the Lord Jesus is spoken of as a lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And that simply means before God ever made this world, 
Before God ever said, let there be light, and there was light. Before God ever brought clay together and breathed in the man's nostrils the breath of life, this moment that we have read of was already in view. And as the ages passed, centuries passed, there came a moment, there came a moment in history when the Father said to the Son, the time has come, it's time to go. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son. I recall our, our oldest son was heading for Toronto for, for a summer of, of work. He was 17 at the time, and he was raring to go. And when the moment came for him to head for the airport, we were going to drive him there. And uh, I might as well tell you, I, I, I wasn't quite as excited as he was. Because I thought to myself, how is he going to make out for the summer? What will the next few weeks bring for him? Will he be able to handle the work? Will he take care of himself? And all the questions that parents have about their children that are leaving home just for a summer. Some of you have been there, haven't you? But you know what amazes me? When this moment came, the father knew fully what that mission would involve. He was well aware of the cost of the mission. He was very, very cognizant of the reception that his son would receive. He was well aware that when the Lord Jesus came into the world, he would be despised and rejected of men. He'd be known as a man of sorrows. Grief would not be a stranger to him. He would be acquainted with grief. He'd be rejected from the very start. And the very God of heaven knew that when the Savior was sent, that the pathway would ultimately lead to a cross. And it would be there that he would have to suffer as no one else had suffered. He would have to suffer for the sins of the entire world. And yet knowing all of that, when this moment came, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. Have you ever thought about it? Has it ever gripped you in your understanding that when that moment came, God's heart was revealed in its fullness? We love to speak about John 3.16. And tonight that great truth stands as one of the diamonds in God's vocabulary. God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. First John 4 tells us the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. And when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son. God's plan involves your eternal salvation. God has expressed his will. God has revealed his heart. God has shown his grace. And the fullness of God's love has been demonstrated that when the fullness of the time was come, down from the glory, the Savior came. I can't help but wonder if angels didn't kind of shake their heads with amazement as they watched the mighty creator stepping into his own creation. At the very one who's known as the father of eternity, he's timeless. He became bounded by time. The mighty creator himself became a man just like ourselves. He identified with us fully apart from our sin. He was sinless, spotless, unblemished, and yet he came. And the eternal plan and purpose of God was revealed in that moment of moments. Down from the glory, the Savior came. But I'd like to tell you tonight that God has taken the initiative towards you, and he's expressed his will. We have read in Second Peter chapter 3, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, that verse includes a very, very forceful word, a word that you need to face personally tonight. God is not willing that any should perish, perish. 
Now, when the Bible speaks about perishing, it's not a loss of being. It's a loss of well-being. And that simply means that when we step from time into eternity, if we don't know the Lord Jesus as our Savior, we'll be lost in our sins in the darkness of hell forever. We will perish eternally, and God does not want that to happen. That is the greatest need that we face because of our sin, every single one of us. It's perishing. It's that great truth that I had to face, that I was perishing in my sins, that I had sinned against God, that I was guilty before him, and that my sins deserve punishment. In fact, the Bible puts it very plainly, the wages of sin is death. And so our greatest need, our, the greatest reality we need to face is the tremendous issue that our sins are serious and our sins will bring judgment and our sins will take us to a lost eternity in hell. The Bible speaks about a heaven and the Bible speaks of hell. And tonight this meeting is divided by those who are going to one of those two places. There are individuals here tonight and we have trusted Christ. We have received forgiveness and by his wonderful grace, we're heading for heaven. But there are no doubt individuals here tonight, and if you're still in your sins, you're in danger of perishing. And tonight, this wonderful message tells us God is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. I'm amazed when it says all. God has no favorites. There's such a vast variety of individuals even here tonight from the four corners of this world. And tonight, God's interest and God's initiative is in every single one of you, regardless of your background, regardless of the race, regardless of culture, regardless of your knowledge or lack thereof of the Bible. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. And tonight, God has brought you to this meeting because he wants you to turn from your sins because you're on the wrong road. And he wants you to turn toward his beloved son, the only savior for this world. God's interest, God's initiative. But oh, God went another step, a costly step, because the investment of heaven involved a cross. Peter said there was a moment when the Lord Jesus paid a debt. It was a debt that was designed to, to release slaves. That's what redemption is all about, to set people free. And tonight, we need to face the fact that our sin has made us slaves. Some of you are, are carrying the heavy load of, of your guilt. Some of you remember things done in the past that nobody else knows, but you know and God. And you are responsible for that sin. And you've been holding and carrying that load. Some of you are carrying the load of fear with regard to the future. Some of you are looking for meaning in life right now. And every single one of us. Because of our sin, the Bible says, whoever commits sin is the slave of sin. And yet into the slave market of sin came the man who was willing to pay the price. But ah, oh, it was the price of his own precious blood. And tonight, the message of the gospel concerns that moment when the Lord Jesus moved out steadily to a place called Calvary, where wicked hands took him and nailed him to a cross. They hated him. They despised him. They spit upon him. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. They raked his back with a Roman lash. They stripped him, and finally they nailed him to a cross. And as the world stood there, they said, that's the end of him. But could I tell you tonight that Calvary was part of the plan of God? It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a plan that was out of control. Oh, no, he bearing his cross went forth to the place of the skull. And willingly, 
and voluntarily he allowed soldiers to nail his hands and feet to a cross. They must have been amazed at his response. He didn't fight back. He didn't clench his fist. He didn't swear at them. All he said was, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And voluntarily, willingly, he allowed soldiers and his own people to nail his hands and feet to a cross. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, that's why he had come. He'd come to pay the tremendous price required to put away our sin. He'd come to pay a ransom price. He'd come to suffer in our place. And there upon a cross, 2,000 years ago, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, for that's his name, Jesus of Nazareth, suffered for sins, the just one for unjust ones, that he might bring us to God. And there with his own precious blood, he paid the price because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You cannot get to heaven by your own works, by what you do. Now, I appreciate there's likely very uh, lovely, wonderful citizens here tonight. They're likely faithful mothers and fathers and good parents, good citizens, hard workers. But regardless of all your virtues and all your credits, you cannot get to heaven by what you do. Forgiveness and salvation is found alone through the person and work of God's beloved Son. Could I tell you what I found in that precious blood? I found the truth that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. My dark record of sin was wiped clear by the precious blood of Christ. That precious blood has actually brought me into the very family of God, once at a distance, once with no peace, but now cleansed and brought near by the precious blood of Christ. That precious blood has solved the slavery of my sin, and I was set free by the precious blood of Christ. He paid it all. Wounded for me, wounded for me. There on the cross, he was wounded for me. At the night, the precious blood of Christ is able to cleanse you of all of your sin. He did it all. The price has been paid. God revealed his pleasure with that payment by raising his son from the dead. Tonight, the price has been paid. God's will has been expressed. The plan has been carried out. There'll never be another Savior. There doesn't have to be another Savior. He has come. He's the Savior for a world tonight. He's a Savior for sinners. But the invitation is out. Whosoever will. My, that takes us all in, doesn't it? Whosoever will. Let him just come and take the water of life freely. Could there be any simpler? No. No. And tonight, God is offering you the greatest blessing, the greatest gift that will change your life in time and it will change your destiny in eternity. I trust tonight that you will receive Christ, that you might not pass him by, and that the gift, the gift of God, which is eternal life, might become your personal gift tonight. Yes, the plan has been carried out by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. God now is offering to you the greatest treasure that this world has ever known, the greatest gift, eternal life. And the work has all been done. There is nothing for you to do. Just accept the truth of the gospel message that Christ died, the just 
for the unjust in order to bring us back to God. Won't you take your place as the unjust sinner here and now and take in the wonderful fact that Christ has died for the unjust ones? We trust that you will receive Christ today as your Savior. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.